didn't understand that somebody would take his place. He was really expecting to be killed. He deserved it. But yet somebody was willing to take his place. So we think about Christ's death and resurrection. These are two important events that we need to put together. And if you don't get this today, I hope you better get it. Because they, these are milestones in terms of Christendom. All Christendom today is celebrating today Sunday as Resurrection Sunday. I would even not call this Easter Sunday. Let's call this the Resurrection Sunday. reason why we worship on Sunday? Because Christ rose on Sunday. Friday he was crucified, but someone said, Sunday is the coming. And that's why we celebrate today, and the whole Christendom celebrates that. So let me just make sure we understand the, the implications of the cross, Christ's death, and the resurrection. Well, let, let's face it. We all live in a world today where we face death. And whether you like it or not, right now, families are hurting because they have families right now that are dying or are even dead. Have you seen the, the, the ferry that capsized in Korea? Over 470 people in that boat, and only over 170 made it. A lot of them were high school kids. If you were one of those parents, your kids were just going on a field trip, and the next thing you hear, they passed away. Do you think that is that beautiful? I don't think so. What about those of you who have families that may be considered part of that Malaysian 370? Over how many days? 44 days? No word where they are. Folks, death is found everywhere. And let me make it sure we understand this. Life is short. And somebody said, it's just like a, a short play, like the little skit over here. It just happens like that, and we're gone. So when you think about somebody that passes away, it reminds us, make sure we use life properly. Let's not waste it. And the more I look at this, when sometimes when I drive around here, you know, not, not far from where I live, every time I pass by, especially on Saturdays and Sundays, I see somebody being buried in that cemetery not far from where I live. You know what the cemetery says? Hey, there's room for one more. I was talking with a few guys. I was, I was out in the east. One of the pastors, they says, some of our people who are in the, in the funeral business are complaining. I said, why are they complaining? Isn't business doing well? I said, no. Things are changing. He says, no, no, what do you mean? Well, nowadays people are changing even the way they die. As soon as they die right out from the hospital, and those of you who work there know about this, they take the body, bring them to the crematorium, and they burn it to ashes, and that's it. No more services, no more burial. They give you in an urn. So if you were a person that's selling this kind of business, you're running out of business. At one point, you feel like it's good. And somebody said, oh, if I die, I want to be cremated and put, uh, and put in an urn as ashes, put them on the ground, and I want people to step on, on those ashes. Why? Because my entire life, I've been stepped upon anyway. Ooh, sad comment about dying, right? The Bible says in Psalms 23, day yet do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Folks, we are walking in the shadow of death. Let me share this with you. It's not beautiful. No matter how much we say it can be beautiful, people say dying well, taking care of them, they even put up makeup. It's not beautiful, death. And that's why we need someone to conquer death, because death is a curse. The first time Adam sinned, death came into this world, folks. We are living in the land of the dying. 
If you don't believe in that, look at your relatives, your friends, Facebook. Next thing you know, somebody you know is gone. That is no respect to the person, whether you're a baby, your time you're old. And we need to overcome this. So my question for you this morning is this. Would you rather take the testimony of somebody who's dead and that's it? Or would you rather listen to somebody who died and he rose again and gives us hope? I need a message of hope, brothers and sisters. Because one of these days, I'm going to. I better have something, something to hold on as well. So let's think about Christ's death. Let me just give you a reminder. If you were here last Good Friday, Christ's death on the cross. Think about this. It was an atonement for our sin. In other words, he paid the price for death. What else? It was a redemption. In other words, for us to be saved from our sins, somebody has to pay for it. You get the word redemption. Don't let these words bother you. These are theological words. The third word, propitiation. When I learned this before, what is that? Propitiation. It means when Christ died on the cross, he appeased the justice of God. God says sin has to be paid with, and God says, all right, I'm going to appease you by making sure my son is going to pay for that price. Justification. He made us right through his death. He reconciled us to the Father. What else? Salvation comes across when Christ died for our sins. Only somebody who sinned us can pay for our sins. If the cross does not remind you about that, it reminds us how unworthy we are and how sinful we are. And the price for our sin is death. And if you haven't heard about that, make sure you understand. You and I are dying because we're all sinful people. And if that doesn't come across, I pray that you would listen carefully. You're dying, and it's how you die will determine where you will be going. I had a friend of mine, let me share with you. He's a Christian. I go fishing with him. I'm going to say his name. I know, I know him so well. Once in a while, I, and I saw him this year after, uh, after how many months of cold weather. I said, Brother Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. He said, Ken, have you heard I, haven't, I already lost my job? I said, what happened? Well, he shared it. And by the way, I have this stress disorder. I go to stress in my life over and over again. I said, Steve, what's causing you stress? Oh, Ken, he said, I may be smiling right now, but deep inside of me, all of a sudden, I get this stress, panic. I sweat, my heart goes fast, and I feel like I'm about to die. I said, why, Steve? He said, Ken, I know when I die, I'm going to make it to heaven. So what are you scared about? Are you, are you ready for this? I'm scared because I don't know how am I going to die. I said, brother, why are you scared about that? Because I don't know, am I going to die when I'm driving, when I'm at home? I'm just scared how I am going to die. Brother, don't worry about that. You can, you can die when you drive your car out there. It could be run over. You could be a fairy. You could... Folks, there's no safety net anymore. Right? Oh, you can be in school. You can be shot in school, right? I don't know about you. Death can come anytime. And so, thank God, we have the record that somebody rose again from the grave. So we talk, let's talk about the resurrection today. So if that's what death is, Christ did it, and he paid the ultimate price, and he fulfilled what needs to be done in order to pay for our sins. He did not remain there. And by the way, that is a historical point. Jesus Christ is not a myth. You will go to the internet today, people say that Jesus Christ is a myth. When he died, it was just somebody who was just out there. You think he was just a victim, or was he the victor? Remember the song earlier? The victor's crown? 
If he remained dead, he is a victim. But if he rose again from the dead, he is a victor. You make the choice. Do you believe in all the lies that people say that he never rose again from the grave or he's not real? He is real. Even historians wrote about him. Roman historians. So the resurrection is a beautiful way to say, is it either life after or love after? What do I mean by that? If you don't believe in the resurrection, you can say, oh, by the way, he loved me and he died for me. And so I remember his death for me like a martyr. But if you believe he rose again from the dead, you can say, thank God, there's going to be what? Life after. What is your choice? Love after or life after? Thank God I believe in such a thing called life after. Why? Because there are many things in scriptures. If you go to the Gospels, and I'm going to see it back there, over and over again, the, the tomb was empty. You see the four Gospels. Mary Magdalene, remember the three Marys? Mary Clopas, and also Mary, the mother of Jesus. When they were at the cross, three days later, they were at the tomb. Who else visited the tomb? The disciples visited the tomb. The Roman guards were there. Even the priests would make sure that he would not rise up from the grave. Folks, the Bible tells us in the gospel that the tomb is empty. Can I say it again? The tomb is empty. By the way, if people wanted to prove that your faith and my faith is not real, show me the body of Christ. Show me that really he's dead because that's all that you need to prove. And because of that, I want you to open to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Not only is the tomb empty, but I'm going to share with you a legal brief over here. And I'm going to make sure and say it quickly here. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And this is the gospel. It says, Now I made known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preached to you, which also you received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. If you hold fast, the word which I have preached to you, unless you believe in vain. Verse 3. For I believe to you as, as first importance. What I received, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he appeared to whom? To Cephas. And then to the twelve. And then he appeared to whom? The five hundred. Dread. Now, let's make sure we understand what I'm saying here. If you think his, his resurrection was a myth, you know what he's saying? Folks, check it out for yourself. The Christ that I'm talking about, you were there. Here are the people. Go check them out. In other words, he was not just making any kind of claims here. He says, if you think what I'm saying is wrong, we have more than five witnesses. How many witnesses do you need in the court today? Two, three? He had more than 500 witnesses. Is that enough? Now let me share with you. You know why this is quite hard? For example, let me give you give one example. I hope, I hope I'm not going to use this to disrespect someone here today. Remember Cuyadado? Some of you know him, right? He just died. Right? He used to be a member of GGCF. Am I correct? All right, some of you know. And some of you have met Cuyadado. And some of you were at the hospital. And some of you saw him buried. Am I correct? What happens if somebody said to you, oh, by the way, Brother Dado, he's alive. 
What will it take for you to believe that he is alive? Okay, you, you saw him in the hospital, right? You saw him die, you saw him buried. Let me ask you, what will convince you that Cuyadado is alive? Uh, maybe if I see him, he will say something that only I and him know about. Because she's not so sure. I just show you Cuyadado, right? What else? Maybe somebody says, or oh, maybe if I sit down with him and talk to him, with other people, maybe people from GGCF, maybe I would believe. Let me ask you, is it easy to believe? I'm sharing, saying with you, it's not easy, folks. That's the reason why I'm saying this scripture portion is so important for us to understand. And so this morning, I want to give you the beautiful way that Peter tried to address this. Peter had a great way of addressing the resurrection. Acts chapter 2, verse 29 to verse 32. Acts chapter 2, verse 29 to verse 32. I'm going to ask us to just look at the scripture here and just follow me. But God raised him from the dead. He was, by the way, speaking here, giving a wonderful message here. Freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. And verse 29, look what it says. Fellow Israelites, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David, he died, he was buried, and his tomb is here today. By the way, Google this. Look for the tomb of David. It's still in Israel today. Okay? If you can't go believe this, Go take a trip. To, I want to go there. I want to see his tomb, right? It's still there, folks. David's tomb is still present today. Go to the next verse. But he was a prophet and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke of the resurrection of the Messiah, that he was not abandoned to the realm of the dead, nor did his body see decay. Verse 32, here it is. God has raised this Jesus to life, and what? We're all witnesses to this. Thank God, folks, that this is just not a myth. In other words, you go and check it out. So let me see if we can, if we can summarize this. Suppose you were Peter. What was Peter trying to say? By the way, there were two men. Okay, let, let me see if we can summarize this. said, there are two men that you and I know. One, not too famous. One, famous. David was more famous than Jesus by Christ. Remember, he was a king. And Jesus, who's this guy? Not as famous. What else? One stayed dead. The other he rose. Next one here. This person here, he spoke about the resurrection, but this person here, Jesus Christ, he fulfilled it. Let me see if I can pair that right there. Let's look at a simple comparison. This scriptures will remind us what it is. It says, David, he's still dead. Christ, show me the empty tomb. He is alive. To the left. Oh, you see his tomb today. By the way, go check it out. It's there. Right now, you can't find it. There is a borrowed tomb. You know why it's called a borrowed tomb? He only borrowed it for around 36 hours. Then it's no longer there. What else? He predicted it was found in Psalm 16. You see, we read in Acts, in Acts chapter 2, he was quoting Psalm 16, that his body will not see decay. Who fulfilled it? He fulfilled it. And the two men he was referring to, the first man was what? David. And the second one is Jesus. 
So let me ask you this important question. If you see this today, and let me ask you this very important question, because I am bothered by some people who claim to be Christians and not believe in the resurrection. Think about this question today. Is it possible to be a Christian, you ready, and not believe in the resurrection of Christ? Is it possible? Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, if Christ had not risen from the grave, then our faith is in vain. Let's all go home. We have no reason to believe in Christ. If you don't believe in the resurrection, that is the gospel. If Christ had never rose again from the grave, this sin on the cross, his death, is a mockery to us. But the fact that he rose again, folks, this is the indication that our faith is real. If you don't believe in the resurrection, then in other words, you're saying everything that Christ did in the cross is in vain. He's just a victim. Remember Romans chapter 10, verse 9? That if you confess with your mouth, what? Jesus is Lord, and what? Believe in your heart that what? God raised him from the dead. What's going to happen? If he never rose again from the dead, you will not be saved at all. So how can you claim to be a Christian and doubt his resurrection? That's a question. Let me give you another verse here because this is where I want us to really camp on. I want us to look at the life of Apostle Paul because you and I need to make sure our life matches with this. Because if you claim to be a Christian, let's look at the life of the Apostle Paul. Remember Paul? He persecuted the church. He was changed from Saul to Paul. Let's look at Philippians chapter 3. And let's see the power of the cross in the life of the Apostle Paul. If you start from verse 2, he says, oh, by the way, he says, oh, by the way, look at this, folks. If someone thinks they have a reason to be confident in the flesh, Paul said, you, you want to be confident? You think that you are so good enough that you can save yourself? You got all these criteria? Notice what Paul said. Oh, by the way, I have been circumcised. I'm from the tribe of Israel. I'm a Hebrew. I followed the law. I'm a Pharisee. I persecuted the church. You talk about righteousness. I am faultless. In other words, he says, guys, you want to talk about my former life? Look how religious I was. But I want you to go back. That's the verse I've been looking at, brother. Right? I want you to look, notice the verse where it says there. Can you go back there? Verse 7. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider them what? Said everything that I've done in the past, I now consider loss. In other words, I am not going to use this to be proud that I can do it on my own. All of this is considered, the word there for loss is rubbish, garbage. For those of you from the Philippines, we call this kanin baboy. You know what kanin baboy means? After you eat, all the scraps you put together and you feed to the, to the pigs, rubbish. Everything that my life was in the past is like rubbish. Why? I count them as loss. What is more important for me here, notice this, that I may know the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. There's the word garbage right there. There's all garbage. What Paul said, I want you to understand, I want to know Christ because this is so important. And notice what happens here because 
when I, when I found Christ, I see them that I may gain Christ. Here's the final verse, all right? Having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but comes from how? Having faith in Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross. In other words, none of the things he thought was going to make him right with the Lord matters. The only thing that could save me, says, is my faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God is on the basis of what? Faith. In other words, you believe that Christ died on the cross for your sins and he paid for it, and that's faith. You know why people don't want to accept this? We're too proud. We think we can save ourselves by doing all kinds of good stuff. Paul said, I've done all of that. And by the way, it's rubbish. So if you think by being religious you're going to make it to heaven, you will never be able to make it. It is only by faith in Christ. Now, verse 10 is where you and I need to take something with us this morning. So if you see these things, what needs to happen? Number one, it says, I want to know Christ. How many of you want to know Christ? I, Paul said, there, my desire is to really know Christ so intimate. I want to know him more. Notice what he wants to know more. The power of his resurrection. God wants us to experience the power that can change your life and my life. That's what happened with Apostle Paul. What's the second one? It says participation in his sufferings. Now, a lot of us want the first part. We don't like the second part. Participating in his sufferings. What does it mean? We won't have to die the same way that Christ died. However, when you embrace Christ, are you ready for this? You better start expecting that you will suffer for the sake of Christ. People will mock you. If you're, not ex- if you're not experiencing that, maybe you're not living for the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you really live for him, people will put you down. But then look at the third thing here. Becoming like him in his death and somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. Once again, you see what is being shared here. That Jesus Christ wants us to become more like him. So somebody said, if that's the kind of God you believe in, What happens? Let's make sure we understand this. Our testimony, everybody has a a testimony in the past. If you don't have a past testimony, you better understand, we all have the past. Everyone inside this church here has a past. And thank God we're not going to use this as a basis for us to be saved, or even to become a member of this church, or even to become a leader of this church, because all the past has been covered with the blood. However, listen carefully. Once it's been covered with the blood, there needs to be a new person. If you haven't changed, folks, it means you have never yet embraced what Christ has done on the cross. Because Paul said he's changed. So that's why we ask people to come in front of us and give their testimony. If you don't see sin as sin, then, folks, you are a part of sin. You know, I've seen people today, and it bothers me today. When people see sin and it doesn't bother them, it means you are a partaker of that sin. It means you've allowed it to happen. But if you speak up against that sin, it's because you know it's not right. It's a sign that God has changed our lives. Because in the past, that's just where we were. But with the new life, there's a change. Well, there was some guy who felt like, well, you know what, I don't believe in this. His name is a philosopher. His name is Auguste Comte. And uh, I, I read, this is a story written by Billy Graham. His name is Carlyle. 
replied. And Mr. Kamp says, you know what? I want to start a new religion. I don't believe in this Jesus. I want to start a new religion of my own. And Carlyle answers this. Very good, Mr. Kamp. All you need to do, listen carefully. You want to start your own religion? Number one, you will need to do is speak like a person that they've never spoken before. Second, live like a, like a man that has never lived before. You need to be crucified and raised again from the third day and get the world to believe that you are alive. Then you probably have a chance to start your own religion. Can you do that? Nobody has ever risen again from the grave. Ever. People may have been brought back to life. They died. But Jesus Christ, he died, he was buried, and he rose again. Why? Because he loves you and he loves me. So Jesus is Lord, let's worship him. If Jesus is the Christ, let's follow him. And Revelation chapter 1 verse 18 says, I am the living one, I was dead, and behold, I am alive forever and hold the kiss of death of Hades. I love this verse over here. By the way, you want to use this verse? I've used this for a lot of Jehovah's Witnesses. And forgive me if I'm going to be, because usually I don't want to just put down religion here. But I've used this verse here. Because they claim that Jesus Christ is not the Almighty God. He believes that he's a God. I also said I believe in Jehovah. The first question I asked, do you believe that Jesus Christ is, is the first and the last? The question I raised in Revelation chapter 1, I am the living one. Who is this? He said, oh, it's Jehovah. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. I says, when did Jehovah God die? If he is not the Almighty, he is the Almighty. When they look at that verse, they say, oh, that's not, oh, who's the Alpha and Omega? Oh, that's Jesus. The first, the, oh, by the way, the very same Roman uh, Revelation chapter 1 speaks about Jehovah dying, but he lives again. Oh, he lives because he lives within my heart. So in closing, our decision right now is whether I'm willing to trust the Lord, whether I'm willing to trust what he done on the cross, whether I believe he died, he was buried, and he rose again. There's a song that we always sing usually on uh, Easter Sunday. It goes like this. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that he's living, whatever men may say. And the simple verse is, I know my Savior lives because he lives within my heart. You will know that Christ is alive when you've asked him to come into your life. And no one can ever take this away from you. Only then can you overcome the stigma and the curse of death. Only then will you realize how much the Father loves you because he gave your son. I'm going to close with this simple illustration. Well, there was a little boy who had some a sickness of terminal cancer. And he was about to die. And said, Mom, uh, what's going to happen if I die? The mother couldn't stand the thought of explaining to his, her son. So she just stepped out from the kitchen and went out to the side. And right there she was just like crying and just trying to say, Lord, what can I say to my son? But the Lord just gave her something to say. So she went back. Said, son, remember a time she would play outside with your dad and your brothers? 
then you were so tired you come inside the living room and then you would lay down there and you go to bed. However, the next thing you realize, you wake up, you were in your bedroom. Yes, ma'am. Do you know who brought you up there? I believe it's dad. Yes. Son, death is like that. You know, when you die, what happens is that you may be sleeping right there. But the next thing you wake up is that the father takes you, dad takes you and brings you to a place and you wake up. You're not a place. That's what death can be. And folks, the father is going to take a hold of our lives. He's going to take care of us. There's nothing to be afraid of. If you know that the father loves you much and he brings you to this better place where there's no longer death, where there's no longer pain, where there's no longer suffering, but we can only experience that through the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayers. Well, every heads are bowed and their eyes are closed. I'm just going to ask this morning, if you were to die today, do you know where you're going? Do you have that fear of death that keeps on knocking at everybody's door? You know, every day we're all getting old, but you know, one of these days, you will also have to face that. But this morning, you want to have the assurance that if anything happens with you, that there's somebody to hold your hands, pick you up, and bring you to the Father's bosom and to remind you, you can live forever and overcome death. But it can only happen if you're willing to confess Christ. Romans 10 says, if we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. This morning, you can be assured where you will be heading. And you can just say a simple prayer that goes like this. Don't say it to me. Say it to the Lord. Say, God, I realize how much you love me. That you took my place on that cross like Barabbas. And you were willing to die for my sins, not because I deserve it, but because you love me. Thank you, Lord. This morning, I ask you to come into my life. And I put my faith in the risen Lord who loved me and died in my place and rose again that I might live. And this morning, I confess that Jesus is my Lord and I put my faith in you alone. Thank you, Lord, for giving me the assurance that I have eternal life. Not because of what I've done, but because of what Christ has done for me. If you pray that prayer this morning, God has promised he will come into your life and you will experience the change that takes place in knowing Christ. If you are a Christian here this morning and you have already accepted the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that our life would show the difference that we're no longer living in sin, but living in the resurrected life. That God has changed us and no longer live in the life of the past but giving us a newness of life because the resurrected Christ lives in you. May God use you and me to share the great gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray as a church, may we be a testimony of God's power, of God's love, and the hope for this world that desperately needs a Savior. Give us opportunity, Lord, to live for you, starting in our own homes, our workplace, our community, that we may be able to share the message of hope that is found in Christ. Thank you, Lord, 
that even this morning we can claim that we know the risen Lord because he lives within our hearts. Lord, we pray of all of these things, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, I'd love for us to sing that song, maybe in a short while.